God has richly blessed the Amen organization. It's growing rapidly and the need for Amen is not going to diminish as we enter into the closing days of Earth's history. It will be increasing. And so this morning we want to pray especially that our Lord will be near us, that He'll touch each heart. I will speak on the four calls to medical evangelism, the four reasons that God has called the church to medical evangelism, and four appeals to our own heart. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity today to come to study your word. We pray that heaven would come near, that our hearts would be touched, that we would sense the moving of your Holy Spirit, that you would enlarge our, you would enlarge our vision, that you would open our minds to the possibilities, and that here today you would help each one of us to take a step to expand the sphere of our ministry for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The dawn of the 19th century was full of promise for the growing union of states. That is, until disaster struck. The, the nation's president, George Washington, was stricken ill. His illness continued to progress. The nation's best doctors were called. In fact, the president's personal doctor was called. And the first thing he did was to take 14 ounces of blood from the president's veins. You see, the president had a bleeder. That is a physician who believed that when the fever rose, the best thing to do was to take the overheated blood out of the body. That didn't seem to help the president too much. So two other physicians were called for. And while they were waiting, while the White House was waiting for them to come, they did a second copious bleeding. When the two consulting physicians arrived, they agreed on a third bleeding of about 23 ounces of blood. At this point, the president was so feeble and so near death, he requested that he be allowed to die in peace. <laughs> the next day, the nation mourned Washington's death and the press reported, and I'm quoting from the press the next day, our beloved leader had received the best care that his untimely death occurred in spite of all that human knowledge and skill could do to arrest the course of the disease. What was medical care like in the early 18 and mid-1800s? What was going on in the soil in which the Adventist health message grew? Well, in 1858, Dr. Worthington Hooker wrote a medical handbook. And here are some of the remedies that this famous, renowned medical handbook uh, suggested in 1858. Mercury is one of the best remedies to cure chronic diseases. Well, the medical community today is so concerned about mercury that even if you have mercury fillings in your teeth, it so, makes you so nervous you can have a heart attack. Um, secondly, Dr. Worthington Hooker recommended that bleeding for fevers. If your patient has a fever, be sure you have a sharp lancet near to bleed them. Thirdly, he recommended that if the patient cannot sleep, give him an abundant amount of alcohol and that will help him. 
fourthly, if a baby has colic, use quinine for colic. Dr. Chapman wrote a book called The Family Medicine Chest Dispensary. In fact, it was a book on home remedies. And in 1835, he predicted the use of tobacco as a remedy for ailing lungs. In fact, I am quoting, the patient should frequently draw in the breath of smoke freely so that the internal surface of the air vessels may be exposed to the action of the vapor of the cigar smoke. Dr. J. Boyd developed a unique treatment for children suffering with high fevers. He said that the little patient be bled freely at the commencement of the case, then give the child three years old or upward wine mixed with emetic tartar. If necessary, repeat it every half hour. If the second dose does not cause vomiting, double its quantity, unless the case be very mild. The vomiting should be encouraged by warm drinks and the nausea continued for a few hours. This is the soil that the Adventist medical message from heaven grew in. In fact, it was in 1860 that Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was an anatomy professor at Harvard University, talked about medicine in America. And this is what the anatomy professor at Harvard said. He said, if the whole materia medica, that's the knowledge of medicine, as now used, could be sunk in the bottom of the sea, it would be all the better for mankind and all the worse for the fishes. <laughs> it was in 1863 that the Lord gave to Ellen White a vision of a health message based on rational treatments. Now the Adventist church certainly needed it. J.N. Loughborough was advised by his physician to use cigars. He was an early Advent pioneer, don't judge him too harshly. And this led him to the habit of smoking cigars. So did you know that one of the early Adventists, Loughborough, was a cigar smoker before our health message was given? Now this is, these are uh, Loughborough's own words. I was a great lover of animal flesh as food. I wanted pork fat fried for breakfast, boiled meat for dinner, cold slices of ham or beef for supper. One of my sweetest morsels was bread soaked in pork gravy. Do you think the Adventist church needed some visions on health? <laughs> At the age 34, J.N. Andrews was in such poor condition that he said, my general strength was easily exhausted. I found it difficult to perform the labor that devolved, uh, devolved on me as a preacher. He said, here is my understanding of health. Now this is J.N. Andrews. He said, I supposed old age cheese was good to aid digestion. The aged, the more aged, the better. As to me, meat, mince, pie, and sausage, I had no thoughts these were harmful. I loved hot biscuits, butter, donuts, pickles, preserves, tea, coffee, pork, and every form in common use. Loughborough and Andrews were sick, and James and Ellen White were sick, and God in his mercy and love looked down upon them. And there at Oswego, New York, at Oswego, Michigan, at the home of uh, Brother Hilliard, Ellen White was given a vision by God, and she was shown that the health should be as faithfully guarded as the character. And she was shown that Seventh-day Adventists, waiting for the coming of Jesus, were to prepare their hearts and minds physically and mentally and spiritually for the coming of our Lord. And this morning I want to probe with you the miracles in the New Testament. I want to look with you at God's purpose at giving this people a health message. We want to look at the basic principles that undergird the health message. Why a health message? 
What is God's purpose in giving this church a health message? And what is the future of medical missionary work? And what is the call to our own hearts? We begin with a miracle in Matthew, the ninth chapter. Matthew chapter 9. What is God's fundamental purpose in giving to his remnant people a message of health? Are there some deeper issues here than merely community public health? Matthew, the ninth chapter, and we begin there in Matthew chapter 9, and we look at verse 1 and 2. Matthew 9, verse 1 and 2. We look at the deeper purposes of the health message that God has given to the Adventist church. The four basic purposes of God and the four appeals of God to those of us who teach and preach health. Matthew, the ninth chapter, the second verse. So he got into a boat and crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Just pause there for a moment. It is a little aside to the main point, but we will pick it up later and it's worth knowing. They brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. The paralytic did not come by himself. If you look at the miracles in the New Testament, there are 32 or 33 separate case histories. Now, there are times that Jesus healed an entire village. There are times that he healed a whole city. But if you count the number of miracle healings in Jesus' three and a half years, there are only about 32 in three and a half years. There is another message in that itself. But of those 32, half to two-thirds of them did not come by themselves. Somebody was concerned to bring somebody to Jesus. Somebody had a passion to bring somebody to Jesus. The scripture says, and behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. That is our chief work as medical missionary evangelists, to bring somebody to Jesus. We do everything we can with rational treatments and scientific modalities. But unless we get them to Jesus, we know that we can cooperate with Jesus in facilitating healing, but Jesus is the restorer, Jesus is the healer. Now the Bible says, verse 2, Behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed, and Jesus seeing their faith. Faith is not something that you cognitively believe. Faith is translated into action, so Jesus sees it. Faith is something tangible. The scripture says, seeing their faith said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven thee. Now notice, the man is healed and Jesus says, Be of good cheer. Reason number one that God has given his people a health message is to enable them to enjoy life to the fullest. John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. The reason God has given a health message is not as some legalistic requirement to make people feel oppressed by all the things they have to do and all the things they cannot do. The health message is given by a loving God so that you and I can live life to its fullest, so we can live in abundant life. John 10, verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it, the Greek language says, in superabundance. So God has given to the church a health message 
so that we can live happier, so we can live longer, so we can have more joyful, more fulfilled lives. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 20. Now some people's attitude is, I will be a health reformer if it kills me. And their health reform is really health deform, and it looks like it is killing them. Are you an advertisement for the joyful, abundant life that Jesus gives? As a health reformer, do you enjoy life more than you would if you were not healthy? Is the countenance on your face austere? Oh man, I'd love to eat that. I really would now. But I'm going to grit my teeth and bear it. I'm not going to do it. Oh, Lord, help us. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Verse 20. Or verse 40. Twice 20. Deuteronomy 4, verse 40. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you today, that it may be well with you. Isn't that our loving Heavenly Father? Keep the commandments that I've written in every law, in every tissue of your body, that it may be, what everybody? Well with you. And with your children after you that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. That you may what? The health message is not going to enable you to live eternally, Jesus Christ is. But it will help you prolong your days. There are environmental factors over which we have no control. And merely because a person becomes sick doesn't mean that they are not following the health message. There are issues beyond which we have con no control. But the closer we follow the laws of health, the greater possibility it is that we will be healthy. If there are things I can't control, I better control the things I can. And Jesus has given us a health message to prolong our days that it may be well with us. Why do we have a health message? To lengthen our lives so that we can live a more joyful, abundant life. I love the way Ellen White puts it in Evangelism, page 303. Of all people in the world, reformers should be the most unselfish, the kindest, the most courteous, learning Christ's ways and words and works. If indeed the purpose of the Adventist health message is to be, enable us to be healthy and happy and live the abundant life, are you an advertisement for health, happiness, and a life of abundance? Are you, or are you part of the health-reforming Gestapo I don't know if you ever had any people ever visit your home that were part of the health-reforming Gestapo. My wife and I pastored for a number of years, and we had a fellowship dinner one day, and I had a member of the health-reformed Gestapo come to my home. Now, she wanted to see whether the pastor had any mayonnaise in the refrigerator, so she checked out my refrigerator. You know, she was surprised when she found veginase, but that was a different story. She wondered if the pastor had any ketchup there because it might have a little vinegar in it and, you know, that may destroy the delicate linings of the stomach. I would suggest to you that if 
I would have had ketchup there, and if I would have had mayonnaise there, that would have been more helpful to me than her attitude. It would have been more helpful to me than that woman's attitude. Now, don't worry, I'm a vegan vegetarian, all right? So now I can preach the rest of my sermon. God has not given us a health message to make us part of the health reform Gestapo to evaluate other people's spirituality on whether they have vinegar in their ketchup. God has given us the health message to live an abundant, joyful life. Praise God that we can present His positive message in a positive way so we can get positive results. Reason number one for the health message. So that we can live longer, happier lives. Reason number two. God has given this people a message of health. It is so we can know Him in all of His fullness. There is a linkage in the New Testament between physical healing, physical health, and a relationship with God. Physical health and spirituality are inextricably linked in the New Testament. You cannot divide them. Let's look at it in the text itself. Why has God given us a health message? One, so we can live life in its fullness. Two, so that we can know Him in all of His fullness. Back to our passage in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9. Notice the relationship in Matthew 9 itself in the text between physical and mental and spiritual health. Matthew 9, we're looking there at verse 2. And behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Now notice... There are times that Jesus heals and then says, go sin no more. There are times that Jesus forgives, then heals. Because in Jesus' mind, healing is restoration. It is restoration physically. It's restoration emotionally from the scars of sin. It's restoration spiritually to a relationship with God. So in Jesus' mind, healing Zozo, which means salvation, it's also translated healing in the New Testament, is to make one whole. Sin has separated us from God psychologically, emotionally. It has separated us from God's plan of health physically. And the gospel is to restore men and women to the image of God physically, mentally, spiritually. So why has God given us a health message? Because if we are eating food that destroys the quality of blood that nourishes the brain, our minds will not be as clear to understand the promptings of the Holy Spirit in the mind and in the heart. You see, our brains are nourished by the quality of blood. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak to me through my big toe. He speaks to me through my brain. And if because of inactivity, the blood that passes to the brain does not oxygenate the brain, and if indeed because of a high-fat diet 
I have affected the quality of my health that affects the quality of my thought patterns, that presents static in coming into the brain from the Holy Spirit. Now those of you who have white hair or little hair will understand this illustration. I need to explain it to the medical students. In generations ago there used to be something called a radio. <laughs> Today it is an iPod. But I can recall as a child when we had a radio in the house, if the, if the station was too far away, you heard a lot of static, right? You knew there was some voice on that radio. You have ever been traveling in your car and you get out of range of the radio? And you hear that static? When you fail to exercise, when you have a high-fat diet, when you're not in tip-top physical shape, the Holy Spirit from heaven's sanctuary attempts to communicate to the brain, but there's static there. Why a health message? Because health of the body, the brain is a physical organ that's housed in the mind, housed in the cranium of the head. You take care of my medical stuff later, I'll take care of the theology stuff. <laughs> the brain is a physical organ. And if that physical organ is not sharp and clear to communicate with heaven, if there's a lot of static there, then the voice of God is muffled in the heart. Our body is the temple of God. It is a sanctuary. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 with new eyes. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 with new eyes. You'll notice 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 is sanctuary language. We're looking at the point that God has given us the message of health so that we can be clear-minded, so we can understand the messages that come from the sanctuary to our brains. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, which you have from God and you're not your own? Therefore, you're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, notice carefully, the Bible says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Is there a temple in heaven? Is there a temple in heaven? Is there a real sanctuary in heaven? If you say there's no real sanctuary in heaven, that it's all ethereal, then my next question is, is there a real God in heaven, or is he ethereal too? You see, to deny the literal nature of the sanctuary in heaven is to deny the literal nature of God. Because if there is no sanctuary, then is there a real God, or is God just kind of a cosmic effervescence being? So there's a real sanctuary in heaven. But if there were a real sanctuary in heaven and there were no real God to fill that real sanctuary with his presence, would that sanctuary be meaningful at all? So the value of a sanctuary, a real sanctuary, is a real God. So it's God's presence that fills the sanctuary. Now here are three words I want you to link together. Sanctuary, presence, glory. Sanctuary, presence, glory. And if you understand that, it'll open up new vistas of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Now look, for example, at, keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 6, we're going to go back to it. Psalm 63, verse 2. What are the three words we're looking at? What are they? Sanctuary. What's the second word? 
presence. What's the third word? Glory. The sanctuary in heaven is filled with the presence of God or the what? Glory of God. Now, go back to Psalm 63, verse 2. Psalm 63, verse 2. And we notice it here. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. So we look to the sanctuary that is a very real sanctuary. We see God's presence, his power, and his glory. Now, come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Our bodies are the temple or the what? Sanctuary of God. And just as the Shekinah glory of his presence was manifest in the sanctuary in heaven, so through the indwelling Christ by means of the Holy Spirit, his presence is to be manifest in our lives to reveal his what? Glory. That's why the Bible says, whatever you eat or drink, do all to the what? Glory of God. So that I can reveal his presence in my life as I live in harmony with the physical laws of health that reveal his glory. That's why the three angels' message says, fear God and give what? Glory to him. Reveal his presence to the world through a committed life living in harmony to obedience to the laws of hell. That's why in Revelation chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Then another angel came down from heaven, and the earth was lightened with his what? Glory, or his what? Presence. So the earth that's lightened with the glory of God in Revelation 18.1 is not merely a message preached, it is a message lived in the hearts and minds of God's people. It's a message lived out in their lives. So as we live out in our own lives the principles that God has given to us in health, we reveal his glory or his presence to a waiting world in a watching universe. Why has God given us the message of health? To draw us closer to him in prayer and Bible study so we have clear minds so that when we open God's word we have not so overworked in our medical dental practice or as nurses or as paramedical people that we are so tired that we fall asleep fully reading his word God has given us a health message so that our diet is not consisting of junk food so that the blood going to the brain will not allow us to have a clear relationship with God because there's too much static coming in there. God has given us the health message so that we can reveal his presence and glory to the world by living Christ-like lives and be obedient to him. Why do we have the health message first? So that we can live healthy, happy, obedient, abundant lives to be filled with joy. Secondly, so that we can know him and his presence can fill our lives. Thirdly, God's given his people the gift of health to enable them to be ready for the coming of Jesus. See, here's where Seventh-day Adventist health message is unique. Here's where it's different. The Seventh-day Adventists do not claim uniqueness for our health message. If you go back to the mid-1860s to 1900, you can go out to Danville, New York, and you can look at the work of Dr. Jackson, Dr. Thrall, certainly Ellen White, in her visions by God, left out some of what other contemporary health reformers were teaching because God directed her. But you can see in many health reformers that sprang up as the result of the 
poor quality of health information in the first part of the 19th century. You can read about water treatments. You can read about good nutritious diet. You can read about exercise. So Seventh-day Adventists don't claim uniqueness in the particular health aspects. What, we, what is unique for Seventh-day Adventists is that we see health as part of a message to prepare a people for the coming of Jesus. Because we see health not merely as preparing people to live longer, happier lives, and not even merely to have a more intimate relationship with God. We see those two things. But we see health as part of a message to prepare a people to meet Jesus. And this for us is biblical. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. For us, we believe that health is not an add-on. That it's not something merely that a physician speaks for six minutes before an evangelistic talk. We see health not merely as something which gives us opportunity to reach more people, although we see that, and I'll talk about that later. But we see health as intimately a part of the message of the three angels to prepare a people for the coming of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Seventh-day Adventists believe that human beings are an integrated unit, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And that you cannot separate spiritual life from emotional life. You cannot separate physical life from spiritual life. You cannot separate your mental thought patterns. That we are not compartmentalized, fragmented beings. We are psychosomatic, integrated units. What affects my physical health affects the mental state of mind. What affects my mental state of mind affects my physical health. What affects my mental and physical health affects my emotional health. What affects my physical, mental, and emotional health affects my spiritual health. And Jesus is longing for people that are totally committed to Him, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Why has God given us a health message and what are the appeals? He's given us a health message first. To live life in all of its abundance. And what is its appeal? His appeal is, follow my laws of health joyfully and happily. Throw off legalism. Throw off being a, uh, a health reform Gestapo. Enjoy the health principles I've given you and go out and live the life to the abundance. Secondly, why has he given us this health message and what's the appeal to our hearts personally? God has said to us, I've given you the health message so that your mind will be clear to know me. Don't become so involved in health that you miss the purpose of health in knowing me. Don't become so involved in your health occupation. Don't become so involved as a student studying health that you don't have health. 
don't become so involved as a physician teaching health that you don't have health. What is God saying in that second appeal? He's saying if, the, if one of the fundamental functions of the health message is to prepare a mind to be receptive to the Holy Spirit, God speaks to you today and says, give me a chance to speak to you as a physician. Give me a chance to speak to you as a dentist. Give me a chance to speak to you as a physical therapist, as a nurse. Don't allow your life to become so hectically involved in things that are good that you miss out on what is best. Don't allow those things that need to be done keep you from doing the one thing that ought to be done. What is God saying to you and me in this place, here and now? He's saying, my child, I've given you a health message so you have a brain that understands my voice, so you can hear me speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. Why would you want to follow a health message and not listen to the voice of the one who wants to speak clearly to your mind because you follow those laws of health? What is God saying to us? He is saying, I am coming for a people who have committed their lives to me physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally. I have given you a health message as part of a preparation for the second coming of Christ. You know, when it's very interesting, when you look at Luke, the fourth chapter, and you see what Jesus said about his own ministry, go back and look at Luke chapter four, because Jesus comes right to the point of why we have a health message. Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19. God has given us a health message to prepare us for the second coming of Christ. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, Jesus prophetically quotes Isaiah about his own ministry. Luke 4, 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. Jesus came to live an unselfish ministry, revealing the love of God to humanity, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus came to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor, to give people good news that were caught in the grip of guilt and shame and condemnation, to give them power in their lives to be transformed, to heal the brokenhearted as he raised the dead, as he opened blind eyes, as he healed the withered man's arm, he, he healed the broken heart. He preached deliverance to the captives. They were captive by disease, captive by demons, and Jesus delivered them. He recovered sight to the blind. People were able to see divine realities. He set at liberty those that were oppressed by sickness and diseases. Now it's interesting, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61, verse one and two, but he stops halfway through verse two because the last part of verse two in Isaiah 61 was not to be fulfilled by Jesus, but it's to be fulfilled by us. We are to fulfill verses 18 and 19, but Jesus stopped 
because the prophecy of Isaiah 61 was not to be fulfilled completely by Jesus. It's to be fulfilled by a last generation church. That's why Jesus stopped. Now, what was the phrase that Jesus left out in this verse, and why did he leave it out? He left it out because it was to be fulfilled by us. Now, look, go back to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. And this is the great chapter on medical missionary work, Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 61. But Jesus leaves out a phrase in the last part of verse 2. Now notice, let's start with Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And then he goes on. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And notice the next phrase which Jesus didn't give in the day of vengeance of our God. So Jesus left out the phrase, speaking of himself, the day of vengeance of our God. When is that? That's the second coming of Christ. So his medical missionary work led up to the first coming of Jesus. But there would be an end time generation that again would go out with a message of physical, mental, spiritual healing to prepare people for the great day of the coming of Jesus. We have been raised up for that moment to go out to this generation and share principles of physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional health. What then, call, what then is God's call to health providers? What then is God's call to medical students, to physicians, to nurses, to dentists? What is God's call to spouses? What is God's call to us, to our hearts? Here's his call. A call of surrender. Physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. A call to give everything in our lives to Him. Is there anything that you are holding back from Jesus? Is there something that He's putting His finger on you in some area of your life physically? Is there some article of diet? Is there something that you're watching on television and the thought processes. If there's some attitude that you know you need to make right, that it's eating out the very heart of your spirituality. My wife and I moved recently. We were living a couple miles from the General Conference and we moved out into the country. I don't have to go into the GC offices much anymore, so I'm able to go in a couple days a week when I'm home. And uh, So we live about an hour from the General Conference in Virginia. And where we live, there are 17 miles of walking trails. We can see the mountains. We can ride our bikes and walk down by the little brooks. It's, it's just, just absolutely wonderful. So let's suppose, not suppose, but I was selling my, my house to get this new home that we, were, we moved into. And let's suppose that I'm selling my house and the new owner makes an offer on the house. And I say to the new owner, look, I'm selling you this house, but look, there's just this. Let's suppose the house had 15 rooms. Don't get nervous. It didn't. But let's, this is an illustration. Let's suppose the house had 15 rooms. And I said to the owner, look, I'll sell you 14 of them. You know, you can have the three bathrooms, you can have the kitchen, you can have the study, you can have the bedrooms, you can have everything. But, but, but there's just one room I'm not going to sell. That's where I keep the German Shepherd and the Rockweiler. And our new community doesn't allow them to go, to allow me to take them. So um, the German Shepherd and Rockweiler are there, and uh, they only get out occasionally. They only bite two out of five guests, but, um, <laughs> you know, you can have the home, and I'm selling it to you. 
Do you think they would be too interested in getting a home with 14 rooms, but not getting the home with the rock wire, but, but uh, would they be interested in buying that home if they couldn't have the one with the rock wire and the German Shepherd? What do you think? How many Rockweilers and German Shepherds are in your mind? Jesus comes along and knocks and says, my child, have you opened the refrigerator door for my Holy Spirit? Have you opened the TV for my Holy Spirit? Have you opened the room, your music room? Have you opened your entertainment room? Have you opened your kitchen? Have you opened the deepest recesses of your mind? Is there a superiority and pride and arrogance there? Is there a negative critical spirit there toward others who may not understand some of the truths God has revealed to you? The purpose of the health message is to open the mind so the Holy Spirit takes full control. The purpose of the health message is to prepare men and women physically, mentally, and spiritually, and emotionally for the coming of Jesus. So the health message is a call to surrender. And the same act of the will that receives God's power to overcome some article of diet, the same act of the will that is prompted by the Holy Spirit and when the will is empowered in the area of diet or exercise and physical things, that same act of the will receives God's power to overcome gossip and criticism and bitterness. When we surrender anything in our life that is not in harmony with God's will, that act of surrender in yielding to Him to receive the Holy Spirit's power to be victorious paves the way to overcome the next thing in our life that we surrender. Everything that we hold inside, every door that we shut in our hearts and minds makes it easier to shut the next door. Why did God give us a health message? One reason is to teach us the art of surrender and cooperating with Him in tangible things, in the physical dimensions of life. So we would learn how to surrender those things in our minds and hearts that are locked away. There's one last reason God gives us a health message. And that is to enable us to be the most powerful witnesses possible for him in this final generation. Notice some passages again. Matthew, the ninth chapter. There are many people, of course, you can never reach through a direct proclamation of God's word. But when you come to them with kindness and love and understanding, when you sympathize with them over the issues that they have in their health, Doors are open to the medical missionary that are not open to one who merely proclaims the gospel. Matthew chapter 9, look at it. What's the purpose of all this? We look there, Matthew 9 and verse 2. Behold, they brought to him a paralytic. Matthew 9, 2, they bring him a paralytic. We're looking here at Matthew chapter 9 again. Let your eyes drop down to Matthew chapter 9, and uh, look at Jesus again, his statement, verse 32. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon-possessed. They brought him. Go back, for example, to the Gospel of Mark, and look at Mark, the eighth chapter. Verse after verse after verse, 
Somebody cares enough to bring somebody else to Jesus. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they what? Brought a blind man to him. Again and again and again. Medical missionaries bring people to Jesus. Evangelism, page 513. Nothing will open doors for the truth like gospel medical missionary work. What is the purpose of medical missionary work? Certainly to give us a longer, healthier life. Certainly to give us a better quality of blood and a more intimate relationship with Jesus. Certainly to prepare us for the coming of Jesus. But it is through loving ministry to touch others with the gospel. It is not merely to wait on tables and make money in a health food restaurant. It is to use those moments as opportunities to share Jesus. It certainly is much more than prescribing a hydrotherapy treatment. It is certainly much more than encouraging patients not to smoke cigarettes. It is certainly much more than getting them on a low-fat diet. There is a vast difference between health education and medical missionary work. We are medical missionaries. We have a purpose for Jesus. We have a goal to accomplish. We are much more interested in the souls of men and women than we are in merely helping them live seven years longer so they can sin longer to burn in the lake of fire longer. Certainly, we want them to have the best quality of life. But we have ulterior motives. And I don't apologize for that. Amen. I have an ulterior... If love leads me to work as a physician, as a dentist, as a paramedical person, if love leads you to work 12 hours a day for the physical health, won't that same love for the patient desire them to have eternity? If you love them enough to try to keep them from having a coronary heart attack, will you not love them enough to want them to have a new heart? If you love them enough to give them a higher therapy treatment, don't you love them enough to get them even wetter than that in baptism? God's great desire is that every medical worker be a missionary. Be a missionary. When God puts a vision in your heart to do something for him, do it. Abraham LaRue was 65 years old. And he wrote to the general conference. He said, brethren, God has put a vision in my heart. I want to go be a missionary in China. And the GC wrote back and said, what credentials do you have? He said, well, I'm a shepherd. I herd sheep up here in Minnesota. But I've been praying about it. And the Lord put a burden in my heart. Go to China. The GC wrote back and said, we don't need any shepherds in China. And by the way, you're too old. 65. That was not the current administration, the GC. <laughs> 1888. LaRue said, no problem. I'll go as a self-supporting missionary. At 65 years old, he raised his own money and went to China. It took him 14 years before his first convert. He loved people for Jesus, prayed with people for Jesus, shared with them the simple principles of life and health that he knew, gave out literature. 14 years later, 
1902, we baptized our first six people in China. It was in 1903 that Harry Miller came to China, Dr. Harry Miller. Dr. Miller was a young, brilliant physician. In fact, he was so bright, Miller was so bright, because he was the man that invented how to make commercial soy milk. If it was not for Dr. Harry Miller, you wouldn't have put that soy milk on your granola this morning, probably. Unless God raised somebody else to. But he invented commercially viable soy milk for America. That was Harry Miller, 1903. He was young, he was bright, he was 22 years old. And he said, God put a vision in my heart to go to China. John Harvey Kellogg saw in Harry Miller a young prodigy. And he said, nothing doing. I'm stopping him because I'm bringing him up here to Battle Creek. He's going to be part of, he, he's got too much possibility to waste his talents in China. So John Harvey Kellogg came from Battle Creek and he came to Chicago in 1903. And he talked to the young man. He said, look, you've got an incredible bright medical future. Don't waste your talents in China. Don't waste them. Come and join me. And Harry Miller said to Kellogg, God has put a vision in my heart of lost souls in China. I have to go. And Harry Miller became the China doctor. He treated every emperor and ruler in China from the time he went till the time he left. And today, we look back at China. And there are four to five hundred thousand Seventh-day Adventists in China. And the work is growing. Because Harry Miller at 22 had a vision. A vision that could not be squelched by the fame and the fortune of this world. A vision of the lost. A vision to step out from family and friends. A vision to make a commitment for the kingdom of God to witness for Jesus. Why has God given us medical missionary work? Not medical mercenary work. Not merely to make money. Not merely to live a life of comfortable convenience. But he has given it to us as a channel of witnessing as a vehicle to touch people with the gospel. You, as a medical provider, have an incredible opportunity as you lovingly reach out to touch people and share the principles of health. Hearts and minds are open to the gospel. May we be faithful to our task. May we recognize the sacredness of our calling. May we see the health message as something God has given us to give us an abundant life. May we never become so busy in treating others that we fail to hear the Holy Spirit because there's too much static in our brains from overwork and overeating. May we sense the call to surrender everything in our lives to be ready for the coming of Jesus because that's the purpose of the health work. And may God help us go out of this place as powerful witnesses for him. Amen. Would you like to say, Lord, today, draw me nearer to you. Draw me nearer to you. We're going to stand and sing that wonderful song. Let's stand and sing it together. Draw me nearer. 
This media was produced by Audioverse for Amen, Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. If you would like to learn more about Amen, please visit www.amensda.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.